26. If you're not there already, that's where we're headed. Verse 25, Matthew 6, verse 25. A longer text for today, some of Jesus' teaching. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. It has been, uh, I will say at least from my soul, incredibly uh, beneficial. Um, just clarifying um, and just, just good in so many ways. And honestly, I'll, I'll tell you today uh, and this morning, this text, uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly challenging. And singing some of the songs, even that we've already sung this morning, it's incredibly, incredibly challenging. Like, it's hard. At the exact same time, it is so freeing. It's just, it's challenging to believe it. But as we believe it, as we grow in our believing of it, it's just this, (sighs) I don't have to, kind of text. And so I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the challenge of it. And I'm excited about the the freedom of it as well. All right. So have you ever, maybe you're one who said this, but I remember growing up, my dad, my dad would always make this statement, uh, too blessed to be stressed. Anybody ever said that? Remember that? He even had a t-shirt that said it. Okay, and it, what was ironic about that t-shirt, he had this t-shirt that said, too blessed to be stressed, and it had this image of like a Samson-like person on it, tearing down, tearing stuff down, right? Tearing down these pillars and everything. Like, too, too blessed to be stressed. Today, we would put that into a hashtag, Right, where something bad were to happen in our lives, we'd lose a job or, or a family member or just something challenging would happen, uh, a pandemic, and we would say something like, hashtag too blessed to be stressed. Like, no, 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 whatever it is could go on in the world around me and hashtag too blessed to be stressed, right? Like, and listen, I get it. We understand kind of what, what the, the, the impetus around that is or means at the exact same time we also have to understand remind ourselves convince ourselves maybe that that's completely false right like we can be just this incredibly blessed people but here's the exact at the exact same time because of the 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 state that we are in we are going to have stressors and anxieties that exist in our lives That's just a reality. I don't care how strong or big you are, emotionally, physically, or whatnot, there are going to be emotional stressors and anxieties that exist in life. This is why Jesus speaks to these things, okay? Nobody is exempt from them. And so here's what happens. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. He says, we are impatient because we are unbelieving. Your greatest strength, he says, is to sit still. In the midst of all of those challenges and tensions, the greatest capacity, the greatest strength that you have is to sit still. Nobody said amen. Because we don't believe that, do we? Like, we might believe that, but we certainly don't believe that in our outworking, right? That our greatest strength, the greatest capacity that we actually have in this world is to sit down and be still my soul, right? And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 6. We say what we say for reasons. Jesus doesn't say these things accidentally. There's purpose 
an impetus behind what Jesus is saying here. So, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to stop talking in so many ways and just let Jesus do some talking here, okay? Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 25. Read through 34. It'll take just a little bit longer, but let's see what Jesus has to say here. This is what it says. Matthew chapter 6, 25. goes on. Therefore, Jesus says, because of everything that I've just told you, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray, and we'll walk through this a little bit. Father, um, we say again on the front end that this, is, this challenges us, God. Um, your words, the words of your son, they challenge us. And at the exact same time they challenge us, they free us. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that you would help us, each of us, identify the areas in our lives and of our lives where it does challenge us, God, so that we can begin to, to work through those things, Father. So that we can begin in those areas of challenge to trust you more, God. Father, help us to believe you when you say that you care. Help us to believe you when you say that you will. Help us to believe you when you say that you can, that you promise to. God, help us to believe you. God, I say so clearly this morning right here on the front end of all of this that I need you. I cannot do any of this without you. I need your help. I need your words. I need your wisdom. I need your tongue. God, I need you to help me even to clearly relay the truth of your word this morning. So be upon my tongue and my mind this morning. God, help us, change us, move us to be more conformed to your image, I pray. We love you. Amen. Very first word that Jesus says here in verse 25 is the word therefore, right? Therefore is a statement of resolve. It resolves something. It says, it basically, it's, one of these, it's one of these resolving statements because of, because of what, because what I just said is true, because this is true, therefore I resolve to this, or I will this. Because this is true, this is what I must do, or this is what I resolve to do. What was it that was just said to bring about this resolve? Well, you could, in my Bible, at least flip a page backwards and read through chapter 5 and chapter 6, Specifically, though, chapter 6, and you can look back at verses 4, 6, and 18, and you see how Jesus says these words, and my Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
right? We see this in verses 4, 6, and 18. In verse 19, Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Therefore, because of all of these things that I've just said throughout this chapter, therefore, there is this resolve that comes about. Practice all your piety, Jesus says. Practice righteous living. Do these things. Be active in these things. And all of your righteousness before God the Father. And you will have, Jesus promises this, you will have storehouses of reward in heaven. He promises this. Therefore, there's three things we're going to see this morning throughout this text. We're going to see command, we're going to see reason, and we're going to see remedy. Command, reason, and remedy is what we'll see this morning. We see, first of all, the first thing Jesus hands us is this command. And it's the same command three times in three different spots. You can see it in verse 25, verse 31, and verse 34. Here's the command. The command is simply this. Do not be anxious. Because of everything that I've promised, because of everything that I've just taught you, because of everything that I've said to you thus far, because of everything I've said, do not be anxious. Cease your anxieties, he says. I struggle with anxiety. Okay? I've never been uh, diagnosed with an anxiety disorder uh, or anything like that. Maybe you have not either, or maybe you have. I, I struggle with anxiety, okay? Here's how I know that. I know that I struggle with anxiety because of what consumes my thought process. I know that I struggle with anxiety because of what I take home, uh, what, I, what I take home from work. I know that I struggle with anxiety because of what in my life I attempt to numb, right? I know that I struggle with anxiety because of the things in my life that I try to avoid dealing with. Have I rung any bells with anybody else? I know Personally, I know that I struggle with anxiety by what I, what I bottle up inside of me to the point of explosion, right? All of this is, is, root, is rooted in anxiety. I know that I struggle with anxiety because of what in my life I attempt to run away from, right? Maybe you're resonating with one or two or all of them. I struggle with anxiety because of these things. These anxious, worrisome, heavy-laden things that are real in life, right? They're, they're real things in life that without honest exposure, without me honestly looking at you and saying, I struggle with these things, and these things are heavy and hard in my life, that without honest exposure, without truthful confession without empathetic relationships in my life, without compassionate conversations in my life, they will, listen, they will no doubt destroy me. These anxieties, these stressors that we either attempt to numb or we run away from or we bottle up, they will no doubt destroy us. If we don't look at them with honest exposure and engage with them, right? And engage with other people. And so we ask, and here's the question I think for us to really work through on the front end of this right here is, is this question, what produces anxiety in our lives? 
What is it in your life that you deal with on a regular basis that's in your home or in your workplace or where, whatever it is? What is it that produces anxiety in your life? Maybe it's some type of pain, emotional or physical. Pain produces anxiety. It produces stress, physical or emotional pain. Maybe it's, maybe it's a type of fear, fear of someone or something. Maybe it's uh, what the kids call FOMO, fear of missing out. I have this fear of not being a part or of missing out, and it produces anxiety in me because I, I, I don't know what I'm missing, or I don't know what I'm missing out on, or I wish I was there. Maybe, it's, uh, maybe what's producing anxiety in your life is, is lack, and this could be of anything, right? This could be lack of control, lack of resources, lack of finances, lack of relationships, Maybe what's producing anxiety in your life is lack. Or maybe what it is, it's, it's inability. What produces anxiety in your life is inability to provide, to sustain, to produce, to attain, to keep up with. It's inability, right? These are the things that produce anxiety in our lives, right? One of the, one of the, maybe one of the challenges for you is to say that my anxiety comes because of other people. Other people lay these expectations or these things on top of me, and I know that I can't live up to them, and so that produces anxiety, right? What is it that produces anxiety in your life? And here's the thing. When we think or assume the worst, we open the door to anxiety. When we begin to believe that the pain will never end, or, or when we begin to believe that we deserve the pain, it opens the door to anxiety. When we allow our lack to define us in our relationships uh, and all of our outcomes, we welcome anxiety into our lives. We are an anxious people. Do you believe that yet? <laughs> Here's some stats. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States of America. The most common mental illness, affecting more than 40 million adults in the U.S. ages 18 and older. 18.1% of the United States population struggle with some type of anxiety disorder. Here's another one. Anxiety disorders affect 25% of children between, between ages 13 and 18. Children ages 13 and 18, 25% of them deal with some type of anxiety disorder. Research shows that untreated children with anxiety disorders are at higher risk to perform poorly in school, miss out on important social experiences, and engage in substance abuse. This is what anxiety does in our lives. I don't want to because I don't know what will come or exist in light of it. This is what happens here. We're anxious. We are an anxious people. This is our response to anxiety. What do you think it is? Our response, our sin-filled response to anxiety is not be still my soul. You know that? Here's what our sin-filled response to anxiety is. Work. Work harder, work faster, and work more. This is our sin-filled response to anxiety. Work. There's a story of two little mice who fell into a bucket of cream. Heard this one? 
The first mouse falls into the bucket of cream, gives up quickly, and drowns. The second mouse does not quit. He's bound and determined to get out of the bucket of cream, and so he churns and works and swims with all of his might, with all of his muster, with all of his oomph. He works and churns and churns and churns until he churns that bucket of cream into butter, and he climbs his way out. This is our response to anxiety or to stressors in our lives. If I just work harder or more, then I'll churn this bucket of cream into butter and I'll crawl out. This is how we deal with the anxieties in our lives. This is how we deal with the pain or fear or lack or inability. We work and we struggle, we sweat and we beat our bodies, we beat our relationships and we beat our jobs into submission, don't we? You have heard this of businessmen and businesswomen across the ages, how they just work harder and more, right? But Jesus commands us to do otherwise. This is the simple command Jesus hands us here. Do not be anxious. But God, but God, what am I supposed to do then? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to work my way out of this then? Right? So that's the command. Here's the reason. The reason is found in verses 26 to 30. Look at verses 26 and 30. I'm not going to read these again to you, but just look at them. Look at them for yourself for a second. They're not on the screen. You have to look in your Bible if you have it, whether it's on your phone or in paper copy. Look at what it says in verses 29 to 26 to 30. Look, watch, Jesus says. Watch, see how God the creator of all things cares for his creation. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the grass. Look at these trees and fish and the birds of the air. Watch. Watch how God cares for these things. See it. Will he not much more clothe you, Jesus says? Look, just put, it, put all this stuff away for a moment and just sit and watch how the creator of the universe cares for his creation. Will he not much more care for you, Jesus says? Of course he will. Of course he will. If I can ask you to do one thing this week, I would love for you maybe to take a pause on whatever you're reading scripturally this week and just read Joseph's story. Genesis chapter 37 to 46. Just read that section right there. Ten chapters. Genesis 37 to 46. Watch, watch how God cares. Watch how God cares. See, here's the thing. We need examples in our lives. We need examples in the Word. And the Word continually gives them to us. The Bible continually gives, them, gives us examples if we just read them, believe them, and apply them. Continually hands them to us, right? The text never says, if you, go, if you read this text this week, again, Genesis 37 to 46, if you read this text this week, it never says clearly, it never says that Joseph struggled with anxiety. But 
if, if Joseph was anything like us, if he's anything like me, which we know these men in the Bible to be, right, then he was in pain, he, he was fearful of his future, he lacked many things, most of that being control, and he was unable to save himself, right? All of these things existed inside Joseph. And so here's what we finally see of Joseph, though, in the end of this story in chapter 46, it says that, that he says to his brothers, he says, as much as you tried, as much as you tried to destroy me or to um, traject the future, you didn't do any of this, he says. None of what just happened, none of what's happened over the last several years is your doing, nor is it my doing. All of this, he says, God did. And he did it for this reason, to preserve life. Will God not much more care for you? Of course he will. Of course he will. You of little faith, do not be anxious. Will God, who so clothes the grass of the field, not much more clothe you? Absolutely. And here's the thing. This is what's beautiful about it. And you don't have to work for it. And you don't have to work for God's provision in your life. You know what Joseph was bound to doing throughout that story? Read the story. Joseph was bound to doing one thing, sitting in a jail cell. That's what he was bound to. Okay? He was bound to sitting in a, jail, in a jail cell. Oh, you of little faith, do not be anxious. Will God, who so clothes the grass of the field, not much more clothe you? Of course he will. Here's the remedy, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, you might be saying, that doesn't sound like too much of a remedy, Matthias. Oh, but it is. Oh, but it is. When the affection of my heart and the attention of my mind is constantly on the kingdom of God and its reigning king, then all of the worries of this world cease. Period. When my mind's attention and my heart's affection is not on the things of this world any longer, when my mind's attention and my heart's affection, what does it say there? Why are you anxious about clothing? Why are you anxious about food? Why are you anxious about many other things? Why are you so, when, when my mind's attention and my heart's affection is not on the things of this world any longer, but on the kingdom and the kingdom's king, then all the worries of this world do begin to cease. The remedy to our anxiety is not work, struggle, sweat, and beating our bodies and relationships and jobs into submission. Listen, the remedy to our anxiety is the finished work of Jesus Christ. The remedy to our anxiety is the sufficiency of his sacrifice. The remedy of our anxiety is his wholeness, his providence, his perfection, his mercy. This is the remedy to all of our anxiety. It's not a work that I can do, it's a work that he already did. And all I do, my greatest strength, is just sit still 
in all of the already done-ness of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. This is what I do. I sit still in what God has already remedied. The remedy to our anxiety is the forgiveness and grace we receive from God when we stop churning in our bucket of cream and we say to the Father, No, Father, I cannot do this. And looks down at us and says, You're right, but I already did it. I already made a way. I already stripped those things from you, from your need. I already took those things and provided everything that you do need. He looks upon us and says, I already did it in Jesus. I saved you. You don't have to start. You don't have to keep trying to save yourself. I already did it. I already did it. Do you see him? Do you believe him today? Because that's the challenge, right? I see it. I read it. Do you believe that today? Believe, believe this more today. Believe the truth of the gospel, the goodness of God more today. Believe it again. Believe it for the first time. You of little faith, do not be anxious. Will God, who so clothes the grass of the fields, not much more clothe you? We're going to respond corporately today. Uh, we already read it once, and we're going to read it again. This morning as we close... We're going to respond together with the exact same reading that we read at the start of our service to help us believe it together more. So as we close today, would you stand with me and read this together? O oh God, who does provide all things necessary for our lives, be present with us now as we deal with the anxieties of our life. For there is little in this life that will so starkly reveal our insecurities and our struggle to trust your tender care as will the state of our hearts when we consider the things that produce anxiety in our life. When we are anxious about many things, O oh Lord, we can slip so easily into the spiral of believing that simply having more of the material things in our lives would guarantee our security. As if our security could ever rest anywhere outside of you, O oh God. So guard our hearts against that lie. Let us learn to view money and all material things as an arena in which to learn and practice a more faithful stewardship. And as a means by which to invest in things eternal, but never as ends in themselves. And because we have enough, let us practice contentment in what you have already provided. And if we have more than enough to do that, then teach us what it would mean to begin to live more generously towards those whose needs are greater than our own. For we have you. And in having you, we have all things. And month to month, you are teaching us, even in our worries, the slow vocation of trust. So do not abandon us to our anxieties, O Lord. But use those worries to turn our hearts and thoughts to you. Then teach us 
both greater contentment and a great confidence in your constant care. Amen. Friends, I don't know how this text resonates with you this morning, but we've got some deacons at the tables in the back of the room that would love to pray with you, walk through what it means to believe the gospel more or for the first time. They would love to walk through that with you this morning as we sing this final song. So let me pray with you as we begin to sing. Father, we, we confess and we have confessed corporately that this is a tension for us, God. That we so long to believe this and we confess that it's hard to believe this. So Father, search us Know our hearts. Try us. Know our thoughts. And God, if there's any grievous way, any unbelieving way, any anxious way in us, lead us, Father, in the way everlasting which you promise to provide and you have provided in your Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. We believe you, God. Help our unbelief.